welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. It's good to see everyone this morning. If you're visiting us, thank you for visiting today. If you are part of the Rev family, thank you for coming on another gorgeous Sunday morning where you might have other temptations to go do other things. So we, we are thankful that you gathered with us today. And uh, we are in the middle of a, a series called Getting to Know Your Elders. And we are just thankful that you would be a part of that with us. You know, normally when we get together, we we tend to look through Scripture uh, one, one chapter at a time, one verse at a time, expositorily, as we would say, trying to expose what it says, because we believe that that's one of the best ways for us to come face-to-face with God, is for us to, to, to come under His Word, to have it speak into our lives and encourage us on how to grow. But, but there's other ways that we can do that as well. Uh, for instance, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter three fourteen through 17. He says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for evil. As we just have finished up a series on James, we've been talking often about suffering, and here Peter is encouraging us that even in the midst of suffering, trials, difficult moments, be ready to explain to others in that moment why you hope in Jesus. And that just made me think of how much more so should we all be excited and ready, even in good moments, to share with one another who God is, how wonderful he is, what he's done for us, especially in Jesus Christ. And so that's part of this series, where we get to hear from our elders who God is in their life, what he has done for them, how he has met them, and just the sweetness of how God chooses even sinners like our elders. And so this morning, we're going to be talking to Bren Angelus. Would you give Bren a hand as he comes up here? Good to see you. Glad you made it. I don't know. Shocker. There it is. You think you'd know how to do that by now? Nope. (laughs) Well, Bren, thanks for um, being willing to just share a little bit this morning. And I, I, I asked Bren this morning, I said, you know, there was not a short amount of people that wanted to come and say, Ryan, you've known Bren for a while. There's some good stories that you can bring out. I said, there are. There are many. Yeah. I would encourage you to ask, about, ask Bren about having to ask his neighbor for a key to get back into his house when he got locked out once. That's a really good story. <laughs> we can't really share that one here, but so ask not him sometime outside in the yeah. foyer. It'd be yeah. good. But, you know, I asked him this morning, I said, Bren, have you ever been embarrassed? And I'll spare you the long answer, which is no. He never gets embarrassed about anything. Go ahead. Are you going to ask? I, I thought of another thing. You've thought of it? You've thought no, of no, no, no. I, I realized that I get embarrassed for people, I think. Oh, like, what, oh, what that's so that embarrassing for you to do that, Ryan. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but it made me sound like I'm like some superhero. Like, I'm amazing. Just so you, I wanted to give you a thing that I'm not like good at all. Like, I cannot remember the lyrics to any song. This is no joke. Whatever part of your brain is supposed to work there, like, I couldn't, if you asked me, sing Jingle Bells by myself without help. Like, that's... <laughs> That part of my brain doesn't work. So there, I'm not superhuman. I just want to make That's sure that was like, yeah, I just want to make no sure like. No embarrassment, no yeah, singing. Okay. Yeah, All right. yeah. Well, it was good. No, I was going to say, what, are you enjoying this stage of dad life then? With, oh, with yeah. With no mechanism for embarrassment. Oh, yeah. Like I, when I drop my kids off at the, at the bus, 
And if I sometimes I have to drop them a little bit early and I have to go, like so they stand there, and then they're always standing right there. And I'm like the guy that like lays on the horn. I'm like, I love you guys, have fun. You know, right now they still wave back. I'm just waiting for that moment when they're like, oh. But fair enough. Yeah. So tell me, tell me for a minute, who's this crew that we're going to show up here? There we go. Uh, That's me in my loud shirt, as you coined it. Um, And then this is my wife of 17 years, last February, and uh, Jen, and then my oldest daughter Ava who is 14 and a half, and then Olivia, who is 13. Judah in the middle there, he is six, and then Priscilla is nine today. So that's our family. Yep. Very nice. Fantastic. Yeah. So what, what is something that, you know, no one, people don't tend to ask you, but you kind of wish they knew about you besides not being able to sing Jingle Bells? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I still don't like this answer. The only thing I could come up to is what the, the question that I used to wish people wouldn't ask me. Right, and that was whenever I would meet someone outside of the church context, my goal was to keep them talking long enough and get them excited about me enough to know that I'm a normal human being before they ask the question of what do you do for a living? Because once they found out I was a pastor, you could just like be like and be like, what do I say now? And then they start like, oh, I'm sorry for all the cussing I was doing. So, so the question I never wanted them to ask was like, don't ask that. Let me let me show you I'm a normal human being before you get to that question. I mean, now it's the first question that people ask me in, in work is like, what did you do before here? Because they know I'm new to this industry. And then I was like, I'm a pastor. And that's fun in a different way. Great. So, it doesn't shut conversation down the same not way. Not as much. No. You can see him being like, huh, like trying to figure out what to say. But How from pastor to sales management? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Similar, similar, similar spheres. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about like your youth. What was growing up like for you? Yeah, so a great family. I'm, I'm the forgotten middle child, so all of you forgotten middle children. Yes, all right, you know what I'm talking about. The olds and the youngers have no idea. Um, oh, the uh, <laughs> So hard. Um, I, my, my parents were super supportive, like very, very supportive, both very hardworking. My dad was a teacher, so he worked a lot of extra jobs to try and make ends meet. We, we weren't really close as a family because we were all running every which direction and different sports and, and different things. I was, I was raised in a, in a Greek Orthodox home. My dad's 100% Greek, so I would go to the Greek Orthodox church, and at that day and age, it was literally all Greek, so I didn't never learn any of it. I remember my grandma, Yaya, I'd be like, Yaya, teach me Greek. You're too young. You're too young. You know, okay. Yaya, teach me Greek. You're too old. And I was like, ah, when did I miss the window? Like, it just happened. I didn't ever get it. Um, so I didn't learn much, but I was like an altar boy there. Oh, this is a fun story. They would do Easter like at midnight, kind of similar to like Catholicism in that way. And I was an altar boy, which really I was excited about because you could do the incense. And my goal was to try and like see if I get a smoke alarm to go off. I was not a good kid, but like <laughs> do that. Well, one, one day I was standing up there and I was like holding the, cal- the candle and it was all Greek and droning on and it was midnight. And then, <laughs> I mean, my hair gone. Like my mom had hairsprayed my hair. <laughs> All of it gone. Like, I had to shave my hair. That whole church reeked of burnt hair. Anyways, so. Um, but we stopped going there about when I was about eight or nine. And so there wasn't really much faith journey in that. But, but it was good. Good. My parents were very supportive. Not a lot. Of, I don't have a close relationship with my brother and sister because we just didn't spend a lot of time together. But. So then for you, so not the Greek Orthodox Church, then what was your introduction kind of to, to Protestant Christianity? And- yeah, I think, I mean, like, the way I would say it is I remember... Like the one thing that Greek Orthodox did for me, like taught me that there was a God of some sort. And so I remember being like freshman year or sophomore year of high school, like, man, there's something else out there. Like I remember, I can remember being in my bed praying for really dumb things, like for tests or for a girl to like me or whatever, to some God, like "Mm, maybe someone's listening. 
And so when I, when I was like, in sophomore year, I was like, well, there's got to be something else out there. And so I just went to some of my friends. My friend Matthew, like his dad was a bishop at a Mormon church. So I went and looked into Mormonism for a while. And then another friend, Max, who was in Catholicism. I went and looked into Catholicism for a while. And then my friend Alex, who lived in the same neighborhood, was he went to Cole Community um, Church and the school. So we didn't ever know each other, but we were the exact same age. And his older brother was my brother's age, and his younger brother was my sister's age. So we're like right there. He would start inviting me to church. And so, um, so I remember going to then what was called Jesus Northwest. It was really awesome. Um, it's like, for you young people, it's like what creation kind of was, but it was before that. And they like would do this huge thing in the gorge. And I, that was my junior year of high school. I would go to church on the regular, and I remember meeting you there, but I was going because Alex would invite me, and there were cute girls there. So I was just going to meet cute girls. Like, that's the truth. Um, and so Alex one summer said, hey, Bren, you should, uh, you should go, you want to go camping with us? And I was like, sure. Okay. And so I was like, yeah, it's a week long. He totally, like, tricked me. It was the church camp. Like, I didn't know I was going to church camp. I thought I was just going to go hang out with his family, which I got along with really well, and showed up to church, and they're like, I was like, oh, this is different. And I would say I had an emotional response to the person of Jesus at that. Like, I, I remember, like, just being broken and hearing about God's love for me and feeling like maybe this is what it should be. And I came back and told all my friends, like, Jeremy, you got to know Jesus. Like, everyone, like, I was, like, like evangelizing everyone with no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and then, like, quickly just lived back to the way I was, like, feeling like I was secure. And it wasn't until I was about 19 when one of the pastors of that camp moved to town and said, hey, you should come be a youth leader for me. And I was like, no, I'm doing stuff with my girlfriend, and I don't follow that. Like, that's not a good idea. Um, and uh, I called Alex, my friend who had invited me to the camp, and he was like, you should do it. You should totally do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I remember sitting down in, the, in that room, and, I, and, and the pastor got up and he said, okay, we're going to continue our sermon on David and Goliath. And I turned to the kid next to me, and I said, who and who? And he just laughed at me, and I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a leader here. And so I would go to the pastor, I'm like, I'm supposed to be a leader, what do I do? He's like, start reading the Bible, and just start in the Gospels. And I remember, I think it was somewhere in the Sermon on the Mount, just seeing this different version of what I had always thought religion was in that, and it just... God grabbed my heart in that and just never was perfect, obviously, and still not. But, like, that's where I can say somewhere in there around 19, like, God saved me, and it started with kind of a hunger in my freshman year, yeah. you know. So I love, I love your story, how it has. I mean, for young people in this room, like, it was someone young talking to you, yeah. inviting you to church, and how yeah. that God used that as part yeah. of your journey, and then God using a leader probably asking you to do something that you shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, that's if Jack's here, I don't recommend getting leaders the way that that <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. I, would, I, mean, I wouldn't God sign off on that. that. Yeah. So well, that's fantastic. Um, so in your life, who's been someone like that's been very influential in your faith walk? Yeah, I think, like, I, I didn't, I mean, there's just been so many. Like, and I know you don't maybe want to claim this, but you were one of those people early on in my 20s. Um, maybe it's because I, I feel like some of it's, it's not like, it's not because I'm this overly like humble person, but I think I've just always, I've never been exceptionally good at one thing. I've always been like able to like fake it till you make it on most things, like C's get degrees. Like that's my, that's my bread and butter right there, like right there. And so because of that, like I've always been like, there's someone that can do this or knows this better than me. And so I just need to get to know them and watch them and learn from them. And so it's created in me this openness to always have people in my life. And I, I would say, like, there's never been in any stage of my life where I haven't had three to five people that were either way beyond me in years. I mean, way beyond me. Like, really, really old, like John Mitchell, okay? Like, yep. Very, very um, old. 
or, or, or people that were way beyond me in experience. Like, they might have been close in age, but they had spent a lot of time. Like, even when I planted this church, like, I had peers that were way more educated, way more experienced in the Lord that, that would always influence and, and help me. Like, some of the, the best theology I had were with sitting with mentors that actually I landed on the opposite side of the camp, but they walked me through how to do that graciously and wonderfully. And so I've always had people in my life that are, like, beyond me in experience and that's just been a gift. Um, yeah. For, for the, I, I'm, that's not normal for a lot of people yeah. in their life with discipleship. What would you say to encourage other people if they're saying, I want something right. like uh, that? Yeah, that's a good question. I never waited for someone to ask me. I pursued people. I would go, I remember when I started this church, I went to a pastor in the area that they're actually of a, a different denomination than us, but they had an aspect of the church that I was like, this is an aspect of what I came out of, that it, but it's a healthy version of it. And I don't want to lose that understanding. And so I just went to him and said, hey, I don't need any money from you. I just want to know, can I just meet with you once every four to six weeks and pick your brain? And he did that faithfully for, for six years. It stopped because I ran out of time. So I would say to people, don't wait for someone to do it. And then I would say the, the inverse to that. If someone comes to you like me and saying, I don't know what I need to do, they see something and you say yes and walk with them through that because... It's, it's allowed me to operate with wisdom far beyond my years because I've never been able to, I've never had to go, what would I do here? It's always been able to be, okay, let me ask these handful of people that are, I trust and are faithful in my life. Yeah. So, Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's, yeah. It's hard to do that. It's hard to have that humility to yeah. say, I need help. Would you help yeah. me? If you get C's and everything, it's, you know, there's always people getting <laughs> B's and A's. So it's like, it's just a matter. I mean, no one's good at everything. And if you're trying to be good at everything, it's a, it, to me, it's a, it's a pride thing. And anything you're good at was a gift from the Lord that should be shared to help others be good at it. So, yeah. Amen. So, so, you've been, so then you've been, you kind of got thrust into to ministry from a young yeah. age. And then even until recently. So what, what has that path looked like for you? Yeah, so, so when I was 19 years old, a youth leader, I was there for about two years doing youth ministry with 150-ish high school students. I shared this story the first I think it's funny. My first sermon I ever did in front of 100 high school students, I cussed probably like 18 times because of just my ignorance to English, okay? So I was thinking half hyphenate A-S-T, not the other way around. So I just thought it was a normal language. And, th- and finally, one of the leaders like, hey, Brent, can you use a different word like hearted? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, half-hearted. And it just kept going on. So that was my first time preaching. Um, and in front of high- 100 high school students. So like, you know, they let me live that down. Never. Um, so I did that. And then that pastor ended up having some issues. And like, um, that's the other thing I would say. I would encourage all of you. A lot of these men that have been really great mentors to mine, like I can, like a dozen of them aren't following the Lord today. And that's, that's grievous, but at the same point, like I don't look back and be like, it's all lost because it was pointless. Like, no, God used that time and that phase in my life. So, so like if you're grieving the loss or you're seeing someone's faith dwindle, don't discount what God used in that moment. Like you remember people trying to shut down the guys that are preaching Christ for their own personal gain. He's like, Hey, Christ is being preached. Like, let's just, let's just do this. Um, but, uh, I, so then I, he left and the elders of that church came to me and one other guy and said, Hey, can you guys just see these things through until we hire someone at the time? It was like supposed to be three months. It took like a year. And so him and I were volunteers, both working full time. I was going to school full time at the same time. And we were running this high school ministry. And then that lasted until about 23. And then I was like, I need to move on from youth ministry. Grow up. Be a big kid. And um, I was still working in, in, a, in a sales job that I was doing. 
And at that time, the church that I had found with Jen, and we were, we were there for about a year, offered me, said, hey, would you come and start the youth ministry for us? And I was like, no, I've already done youth ministry. Like, I've, I've got that badge. Like, give me something more enticing. And the Lord was like, no, you're going to do this. And I went into youth ministry thinking, okay, I'll help you guys start this youth ministry. This is very prideful of me, I know. And then I'm just going to go back to what I want to do. And through that, like, fell in love with where the Lord had me. And the joke was at that first church, like, don't put on my business card what I do because it changes every week. And I remember at that time being so frustrated, being like, I just want to see something to fruition. I want to see one idea go beyond six months. And then when, we, when I planted Rev, I remember Jen and I sitting there talking, and I'm like, man, I'm so thankful for all the experience I got in so many different areas of the church that I wouldn't have gotten had I not been bounced around like that. So did that for about five years, uh, became pastor and elder there, and then planted Rev here 12 years ago in October. So, Wow, praise yeah. God. What a, what, a, what a neat journey. And yeah. then now you're on a different stage of that yeah. journey, right? So recently yeah. you've stepped out of having ministry be your vocation to vocation somewhere else where you get to do ministry in that job. Yeah. But um, what, what, what led to that change and what was God teaching you through that, that time in this season? Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I said this first service, like, you know how um, you would tell the story of something in your life one way and the narrative doesn't necessarily shift but as more information or more understanding comes as you get distance from it, you see it a little bit clearer. Like, I, I would say pretty, like, confidently, like, God has led this move in our life. Like, God led us, the Holy Spirit led my wife and I to make this very difficult decision back in February to, to step back. And that was for a couple of reasons. Like, one is I felt like God um, was doing something in our lives where we, we needed to do something different for a season. And also, like, I felt like God was asking Rev to go to an area that I didn't feel like he wanted me to be the leader to do with it. And so, so I would say God has led this. I'm excited about where it is. Probably the biggest thing he's teaching me that, that in this, in this thing is, is this idea of, um, it's never about what you do. Like, like I'm a pastor and, and there's so many people that would sit in this like pastor role. Like I, and at times where you accidentally like put that on as your identity or, or people when they, they put it on you. Like, well, I'm not going to your church anymore, so I can't be your friend. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm still brand. You can still be friends. Like, like don't put that on me. Um, but, but what God has really shown me through this time is, is it's never about being a good enough father or being a good enough pastor or being a good enough musician or a good enough kids volunteer or director or youth ministry. It's just about being faithful with where you are and what you have. And so like, at the end of the day, and this is the scripture I want to to pull up was Matthew 25, 23. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't say good and faithful father, good and faithful, you know, engineer, good and faithful. Like, no, it's just servant. And, and I think we can get so mixed up in thinking that we have to do more to be valued by God when his, his metric is just being faithful with what he's given us. And just be faithful with it. You've been faithful over little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so I, I, that's one of the big things that God's been showing me is that I'm not able to do as much as I was, was capable of doing when in it full time. But it's not about, it was never about how much I could do. It was about being faithful with what I could do in that moment. And so even if your capacity feels limited because you're chasing little ones or your capacity feels limited because you're, you're going through just the ringer of, of, of this, that's just this chapter, and you're still to be faithful in this chapter of, of his story. So. so having had, you know, now, you know, several times in your life now, a foot in ministry, full, full-time vacational ministry, a foot outside, 
um, standing from the outside now looking back. What are things you want to encourage people about about church ministry? Yeah, and I didn't circle up. Did I answer this one okay last service? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with that because I didn't want this to come across negative, but there's been something that God has like stirred in me, and I've been talking with a, a lot of um, other pastors in the area about, like, hey, put me to work, not in paid, but like, let me be a, a volunteer that can be this voice for you. One of the things that was absolutely overwhelming for me and my wife um, in this transition in February is um, the we got inundated. I mean, like inundated with genuine encouragement. I mean, like heartfelt encouragement. I had people that like eight years ago were part of the church that were reaching out and saying, hey, this is what God has done in your faithfulness. My uh, 25 pastors got their wives and, and us together and and shared stories about how God had used me and this church in, in the churches around the valley. And like, they were sharing stories. And I'm like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember saying that. I don't even remember it. But, but for them, it was like, a, it was that, like that pillar, that bright spot in their life that God had used to do something. And it was so humbling. Like I could have left with the world's biggest head. Like, honestly, like, all right, man, look at how awesome I am. And I knew that that's not it. But what, when I started thinking about it, I found myself, and hear this not as negativity, I found myself wondering, where, where was that while in the trenches? Like, why, why are we not good at, why am I not good at, A, accepting, B, giving this kind of encouragement? You know, Hebrews 10 tells us, like, as long as it is day, stir one another up in good deeds, encourage each other. I butchered that, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and and so so, like, the scriptures are riddled with thankfulness and gratitude. And, and I think some of it is like we've all seen and experienced the person that does get the big head, that it is about them. And so, so we, we, like I've watched myself like not say something, like Jeremy's gonna say something nice to me, like, oh, thank you, praise God. And I never let it sink into the fact like, oh God, you used me. That was not me doing it. That was your spirit in me doing the good, then connected with Jeremy. And he's seeing that. And instead of just, slapping it away because I'm afraid of an ego. What if I let that penetrate? Because when I see my kids do something wonderful and I see someone praise them, like that's a really cool thing as a father. And, and our, our father in heaven is way better than any of us as dads. And so I, I'm like, part of what I want like it to be is I want it to be like a, a genuine, like awkward, like, man, this is really, really great. Like, and I did this first service and you kind of let it slide off because, you know, you're, you don't want to get an ego, but like, I'm so thankful for you. Like, so thankful God brought you in my life to do a mighty work many times over the years, from 20 to now. And that's not because you're awesome. That's because the God who lives in you is amazing. And thank you for your faithfulness in that. That should be normative in the church. We should be known for this. You know, it's funny, in the, in the workplace, you get bonuses or compensation. So like, I'm going to vie for a bonus for every baptism Ryan gets. Or I'm just kidding. No, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. <laughs> but like, there's, there's no real way to do it other than to just use the words. And what's crazy is one of the gifts of the Spirit is encouragement. So if we're not using it, it's dead in the church. Why, why? The manifold wisdom of God is not being displayed. And so I, I think the biggest thing that I would say Specifically for the staff, I want to say that right now for Ryan, Laura, Emily, Jack, and um, Lisa, right? Like it and Shelby. Sorry, thank you. I'm going through all of them. Um, it's their job. Like they're paid financially to do a job, and that means that comes with it. Like with job things like HR and accountability and all those things. But it's not like they're getting bonuses for like, hey, you did a really great event. Um, but they're also doing it because 
they believe it's a calling in their life and it's ministry. And guys, that, that's so hard to separate in the role. I've been in that. It's hard to like differentiate. Like, am I doing this as a, as a servant of God or am I doing this because, well, it's an expectation that I got to do. And I just think, man, if we could just do more genuine, heartfelt, real appreciation as a body, I think that would transform this community and the community of God as whole. And um, just just as a, a rule of thumb, like I, I would say the same things as the lay elders. I know I now sit in that position as the volunteer elders, but like the first time, like it is good for you to bring concerns and frustrations and trauma and difficulty. That is what elders are to do, to walk and care for and to shepherd the flock as under shepherds to our most high King Jesus Christ. If the only time your, your elders hear from you is in those seasons, that's hard. Like, like I've felt those moments when the phone rings. It's like, man, I hope this isn't what it may be because I really want to go home right now, but I want to be present. So I would just encourage, like, make calls. You don't have to do it to me. I'm feeling really, really filled up right now. You can, you can wait six months on me, okay? But, like, make an effort to really appreciate love and encourage not just the staff and elders, but each other, your GC leaders, your, the people that are serving in kids' ministry right now and potentially missing a service. Or, like, that just should be more normative. Sorry, I went off. No, that's fantastic. Thank you. I have a, I have a pastor friend who wrote a book, uh, Practicing Affirmation. Oh. And I love it because I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's so hard to do sometimes and to do genuinely. And I'm so thankful that our God is so good at it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. he, he so often, he reminds me, you're yeah. a beloved son. Yeah. I love you. You're, you're, you're worth me coming down, stepping yeah. off the throne that I might come for you. Amen. And so yeah. super thankful. Thank you for that, Brandon. Thank you for encouraging us that way. Um, as you are looking towards the future and as you pray, for Rev, what kind of things are you praying for right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I've been praying the most for Rev on the regular is uh, patience and lack of fear. Um, I think it's so easy to be fearful of the unknown, and that, that's, that's, I think that's normal. Like, when we don't know what's coming, it's like, oh, I don't know, will I like it, will I won't? Um, patience in the, like, whatever you're seeing right now, like, God is writing a story that I think is brilliant and beautiful and going to be incredible if we could just be patient to sit in this together, to, to, to see what God is going to do. And so my, my hope and prayer for the church is that you would just be patient. Like, like this, is, this is just a chapter in the story. It was never about me being in this position. It was about us doing the work of God to love him and love others um, the way that he's commanded us to do so. And I, I really am super excited about the future um, here and super excited to see what God can do in this next season as a church. Amen. Um, what What is something that you love about God? Oh, yeah. Um, this is my other verse. So I, one of the things I, I love about God is, and maybe this is because I wasn't raised in the church. Again, someone that's raised in the church and been like a Christian since the beginning can tell me like, no, you're wrong, Bren. It's totally not that. But for me, I I know I know what Bren looks like apart from Jesus. It's, it's not pretty at all. Like, Bren with Jesus is pretty unpretty at times, okay? Like, like there's, there's a lot of things that I'm like, oof, thanks for the grace of God, right? But be, without Jesus, I know what I look like, and it is disgusting, horrible, like, selfish. There's nothing in me that'll be like, you know, I was a pretty good kid. No, no, no. Like, anything, anytime I was being good was because I wanted something, and I was using good as a, as a tool to get what I wanted. And so I know what that's like in myself. And so... This is why I love God. When I go to Ephesians 2 and it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and Bren was dead in his trespasses and sins in which Bren once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the, of, of the air, 
Um, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Like, such a doom and gloom. Like, oh. But like, when I read that, I'm like, yep, check, 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 check. Yeah, that was me. Like, there's no doubt in that 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 was me. But the biggest but in all of scripture, right, goes on, says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, Bren has been saved and raised us and raised Bren up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I love that about God. That it's not based on anything I do or did or will do, but it's based on the goodness of who he is. And like that to me is like that's like that's like the you know start at go. Right? <laughs> like, like if you're if you're aware of how disgusting you are apart from God, and you see something so incredibly loving in spite of that, it's like, man, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Like that's to me is the is the most amazing thing um, about God and why I love following him is because I know who I am apart from him. And there was no hope or joy in that. And who I am with him is still a hot mess, but I'm so thankful for his grace. And there's so much hope and joy in it. Amen. Praise yeah. God for that. So if that's what you love, obviously you want, you want everyone to love what you love. But yeah, what's right? The thing yeah, I love that, people. <laughs> but obviously if that's what you love and you want others to see that, what's something else? So if you're like, I want you to know this about God as well. Yeah, I think it's, t- it's tied similar, similar to that. But it, it's the, you know, Romans 8 talks about like, nothing will separate us from the love of God. And that's a verse that like, you know, you go to like, yeah, the principalities and all these other things. And as I, if, I, if I move back from that, I'm like, why won't we be separated from that? Like, am I just sitting here going, I think God still loves me while I'm in this difficulty? It, until you recognize like, oh, wait, the most loving thing God ever did was he gave us his presence in Jesus Christ. So like, so it's not a matter of me like wondering if principalities or something will separate me from me because it's not, it's not some God at a distance. It's Jesus right here with me. Like he's, he's with me. He's, 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 he's here. And so a big part of where I get haywire, my wires crossed and messed up is I, I forget that truth. I forget like that God is right here with me and, and that nothing I will do, nothing that anyone else will happen, nothing that this world or the media or, oh my goodness, the 2024 election, like whatever's going to happen, nothing will separate us from the love that God has for us. And he displayed it in the most painful, extravagant, and beautiful and highest cost way to himself by giving us Jesus Christ, his presence. And so for me, what I would hope everyone would, would become enamored with is that um, so tomorrow you mess up, it's okay, it's not going to separate you from the love of Jesus because Jesus is with you. He's, he's with you. And, and it takes me to the, the Great Commission, which I feel like gets hijacked for just the Great Commission. Like, there's a lot in there. I think that's good. And by, by yes, let's go. Let's go make disciples, right? But, but there's two big, powerful things in there. Like, when we think about the God of, of, the, of, of, of the world, of, of the creation, it's that the beginning, it says, Hebrews, or Matthew 28, says, and Jesus came and said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So, well, okay, hold on. All authority, right? So it's not like it's just some, like, secondhand person that we got, like, the VP's, you know, ear. No, like, 
All authority has been given to him. And then we go into the Great Commission. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then I think the promise that always gets missed at the end is, and behold, I am with you always. Like he's not leaving us. He's not gone. He's not distant. He's not, he's not out there. So when you think of things all the way back, this is why I say zoom out. If you come all the way back to nothing will separate you from the love of God. Well, why? Because he's with us until the end of the age, church. We don't have to run. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to look for him. He's with us. And God gave us his presence in Jesus Christ. And that's the most amazing thing that we could ever live in and through as followers of Jesus. So, Brent, thank you for um, just sharing with us your hope and your yeah. joy uh, that you have in the Lord, like like Peter encouraged us to. And thank you for having done that for over a decade in a very yeah. visible way. And thank you for still being here. Yeah, that is not a small thing. I don't want to go anywhere, so <laughs> can't get rid of me. I want to pray for you, and yeah. if you want, I encourage you to pray with me as we pray for Bren. Yeah. Just thank God for him, Father. We just thank you for uh, your son, Bren. Lord God, thank you that while he was a sinner, you died for him. Father, that you you plucked him out of that place of, of sin and wrath, and you placed him down and said, my beloved one, thank you, Lord, for the ways and then the cost that that was for you to do through through Jesus Christ stepping down from his throne, that, that he might come and, and live a life and die on the cross and be resurrected in power that Bren might have your love, have forgiveness, have your grace and mercy. Father, thank you for all the things that Brenda shared. Thank you for all the ways that he has loved you and loved so many here at Rev over the years. Father, we are just uh, it's just so thankful for how good of a God you are, that you can take someone like me, someone like Bren, someone like all the other people in this room, Father, and you can save us. You alone can draw us back into relationship with yourself, and we thank you for that, God, that you would do that. Would you continue to work mightily uh, in Bren's life, in this new place of vocation, Father? Would, would people ask, and would they know that he's a pastor, and would they find in him someone they can come to hear about the most wonderful and joyful and hopeful news that they might ever know? Lord, would this be a season uh, of joy for his family uh, as they do uh, ministry in a different way, in a different place, in a different style, Father? Would it... Would it be a chance for them to uh, recoup, as it were, Lord, to rest in different ways? And, Father, would you um, care for them as you always have? Father God, we just thank you for Brent. Thank you that he is still here uh, as one of our elders and still caring for us, praying for us, and bringing us before the very throne of God in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your goodness. We love you. You can pray these things in your holy and matchless name. Amen.